You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Brittany. And this is For Colored Nerds. The weekly show where we peel back the layers of Black culture that we rarely discuss in mixed company. So this week, we're talking about the second season of HBO Max's anthology series, Love Life. I am not exaggerating when I say that our team has been talking about this show every day since it aired in late October. We love this show because it is Black, it's beautiful, it's cringe, it's heartwarming. All the good stuff you want to see in a show about the trials and tribulations of Black love, child. But we think what makes it so special is the examination of the main character, Marcus. Played by the Good Places' William Jackson Harper. So good in it. Marcus is a black man living in New York with his wife, Emily, and all, you know, seems well. That is until he meets Mia, played by Jessica Williams. Again, killed it. This is a warning. There will be spoilers in this episode. And I don't want to spoil too much too soon, but I will say that Love Life is possibly the most honest, complex, mature, and romantic depiction of a black romantic comedy to ever air on TV. Yes. I said it, but you got to stay tuned to find out why. So join us. In season two of Love Life on HBO Max, our main character, Marcus, begins questioning his life, his marriage, and his identity after meeting Mia Hines at a wedding. A major part of the season is Marcus recovering from his divorce from his ex-wife, Emily. It's a betrayal that causes the rift between them. And he kind of spends the rest of the season going on a journey of self. Journey of self is a good way to put it, too. To start, I'm not gonna lie, I gotta take. So I truly feel the character of Marcus in this show is actually the version of Lawrence that I think the Hive, you know, maybe like projected him to be. (laughs) You know? Like, Marcus is actually the character that we should be championing. And like Lawrence, as much as I, you know, I myself have rooted for Lawrence many times. You have. Lawrence is not it. Marcus is where it's at. And I think this show does an awesome job of showing what that like archetype can be. Mm, I like that. I think that's true. I, I'll be curious to see how many men are willing to live up to <laughs> Marcus's growth. Um, <laughs> or if they're going to stay stuck on Lawrence. <laughs> the reason why I kind of say this is like, 
you know, with Lawrence in Insecure, you know, it's a show where he was on the periphery, you know. Uh, even when the show kind of initially was focusing on him, there was just so much we didn't see of his arc. You know, we didn't really get a chance to, I think, like, to know Lawrence in the way that, like, in that first season, you got a chance mm-hmm. to know Issa and Molly mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and maybe even some of the other characters. Not to say that we should have. I am not, again, not Lawrence Hives. I don't think the whole show should have been about him. But I appreciated in Love Life how much we got to see of Marcus wrestling with where he was, you know? The show begins with, you know, him trying to come to grips with his whole world kind of being, like, mm-hmm. rocked in the way that he sees himself. And all of that kind of happens because of Mia. It's almost like the rev- a flip of, like, with Insecure, where, you know, uh, Issa is foregrounded and kind of Lawrence is in the background. And him meeting Mia eventually fucks his whole kind of <laughs> life up. Uh, but we get to see him, like you know, try and fail a bit more after. And the biggest thing is I was like, oh, maybe this is the season of Insecure that like I kind of always wanted to see. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. I think that like Lawrence was like a a huge step, like a monumental step in the direction of like a black male character who's like just a guy, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I didn't understand how much room there is for more characters who are sort of following in Lawrence's footsteps until I watched Love Life. I didn't watch season one and you don't really need to actually to get into the show because of the way that it's written. First of all, it's written kind of as an anthology. So each season can stand Mm -hmm. alone, but also the way that William Jackson Harper plays Marcus, he's so engaging and like there's moments many moments in the season where you are embarrassed for him. You're like, I don't know Marcus. I don't know you. I don't know you. Like, we don't claim Marcus. But you eventually grow to root for him. And that is definitely the writing for sure. But that's also just his portrayal. Uh, I completely agree. Like, you brought up the fact that, like, we kind of experience this like pain for him or just, like, see him kind of go through all these things where it's like, bruh. (laughs) Like, just bruh. And I think one of the the first kind of moments where I was like, oh, this show is going to be really, like, different, is from the jump, you know, Mia, Jessica Williams' character, starts calling him out on basically his preference. I mean... I guess you... Some some people you like to use that yeah, word. His, I don't know... His, the, I say racial dating preferences, I guess. Basically, They he, don't include black women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's interesting, too, because they don't necessarily say it outright because like as in real life like unless you want to seem like one of those weird like kevin samuels followers or like a real just self-hating coon like some people (laughs) like to do on twitter or instagram you're not really just gonna outright be like black women ain't doing it for us like our white queens you're not gonna say that (laughs) you're not gonna say that you're not gonna say that i hope not the show does a really good job of sort of examining Marcus's racial dating preferences through the character of Mia, and it feels so fresh. And part of the reason that it feels so fresh is because most depictions in romantic comedies of interracial dating, they kind of exist in this universe where race doesn't matter. Or if it matters, it only matters to extremely judgmental Black women and white racists. <laughs> <laughs> or like the legal system. Or like, yes. you know, the The, the real racists. Extremely judgmental <laughs> black women. The real racists. Um, I, I think actually a lot of the depictions that we've seen in movies and television 
um, of just how ham-fisted conversations about interracial dating can be have been reflected in a recent New York Times trend piece. <laughs> you know, like, I, I love this opportunity. It's also nice, cause, just because everybody shaded this damn everybody article. Before I even tell you the title, everybody shaded this deservedly. The article was, Do You Hide Your True Self While Dating? And like the like subtext is, when dating interracially, some black people say that code switching, explanatory comma, a common practice of adapting the way they look or speak and acting in different social settings, end of explanatory comma, comes as second how nature. You, how are you code switching at home? That's the thing. The whole point of code switching is to get some <laughs> grades, get a degree, get to the end of your shift to get a check. Why the fuck are you code switching at home it's the safe space. It's supposed to be supposed your to be safe, safe space. space. So, like, I think you see aspects of kind of the hiding that the Times was, like, describing in Marcus and Emily's relationship. And as you mentioned, Mia, she clocks like, it. clocks that shit from the jump. So, like, there's a scene when they first kind of meet. And he basically, mm-hmm. he explains that he's here with his wife. He tries initially to avoid it, which, you know, come on, bruh. Red flag. but he finally explains that, you know, he's married and he kind of points to his wife in the window and Mia looks inside and sees, you know, like Emily and poor Emily. She's, she's just, you just know, inside doing like her dancing. Thing. She's, she's just, trying to live life. Yeah. Being a regular. And Mia says the most like devastating words you can hear in this context. Oh, that makes sense. I felt... There was so much subtext mm-hmm. in that, oh, that makes sense. Instantly, I knew, oh, this is a oh, different yeah. type I of mean, show. There are plenty of people that I know on a personal level, family, friends, who have dated or are dating or are married to white women. But I'm talking about a certain specific type of black man who seems almost distressed when being approached even socially by a mm. black woman to have conversation, like almost as if because he's code switching so much in his personal relationship of his marriage, like any other black person, specifically a black woman, because black men will co-sign each other's bullshit, but a black woman entering that space, it kind of cracks the facade. And that's essentially what happens in that moment mm. is Mia catches him hiding Like out there, like she catches him hiding in his relationship in real time, in real life. And it's almost like as the rest of the season kind of progresses, looking back at this moment, it almost seems like Marcus has been avoiding having that kind of confrontation his whole adult life, it seems. It's getting at something that some people feel that they have to do. It takes interracial dating out of this vacuum that most media, like that New York Times article, places it in. And it places interracial dating in a world where race actually matters. Marcus's marriage with Emily breaks down because of their underlying racial tension. So as he gets out there and starts to date again, and as he kind of develops a friendship over the episodes with Mia, there's frequent commentary from the show through other characters or even through interactions that the show forces Marcus to have that might basically question his tendency to date non-black women. There's a specific scene. Marcus and, and Mia are at their first hangout. And Mia just straight up asked Marcus, do you date black women? So, before uh, Emily, you ever dated a black woman? I'll snap. We doing this now? <laughs> we are, yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've dated black women. You ever been in a long-term relationship with one? 
And Marcus is fumbling. You know what I'm saying? He is like, he can't get it. He sounds like Porky Pig. He can't get it out. And he's just, ah, oh, they He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, I've been caught sh- slew-footed <laughs> one, one or two times. Not with that question. No, but, I mean, and the, the yeah. thing, okay, so that question alone, let me know. Okay, we're about to get real. Like, this is about to get real. Like, the way that the question was posed and the way that he responded, it made it very clear that the show was going to examine some of Marcus's racial hangups, as opposed to what typically happens in media when you're discussing interracial relationships, as it pertains to Black women who can have a tougher time dating overall if they're looking to partner with men. That's just real. I'm not going to be getting into the studies. Don't argue with me. Like I said, I'm a 10-year fucking bed of these fucking streets, okay? I remember what the fuck it was like, all right? But what Mark, like that 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 question was played for laughs because in it, the way that Marcus like was squirming, mm-hmm. like was very funny. It was putting him under the microscope instead of judging Mia. But that question also yeah. is a question that many black women ask as a form of protection. Say more, yeah. It's not like Mia is right and Marcus is wrong. Like interracial dating in and of itself is fine. Most people, I don't think, have a problem with it. But if you're a Black woman and you're looking to date Black men, like desirability and race and sex and gender, all those places intersect when you're dating. And Black women frequently come out Mm -hmm. on the quote-unquote bottom of the ladder as far as desirability. Now, I don't think it's good to internalize that on a personal individual level. I think that can be really unhealthy. And as somebody who has literally only dated black men with the exception of three first dates with non-black men, where something wildly racist <laughs> ended up happening. <laughs> Magic you counted. Um, you know, I mean, you if you're going out with a black man and you're having a good time, you kind of want to make sure that who you are lines up with what he finds desirable and that he's not just trying to force a black love situation or please his mother or, you know, try to make his Mm. way back into dating within the community after, you know, not spending time, intimate time around other black women for a long time. Not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but I've been that, you know what I'm saying? I've been that stop. Like Mia is for Marcus, where Marcus is like, he's been, he's dated black women, basically given the classic answer of somebody who's maybe been on two dates with two different black women and 15 years, like she's basically trying to be like, look, are you going to waste my time? Are you going to make me feel bad? No, I mean, I feel that. I think, you know, there's so much projection that can happen kind of in that space, you know? And I think it's even clear by like how unsettled I think Marcus is by Mia's whole presence. You know, it doesn't just shake up his dating life. Like the veneer of how he sees himself starts to break down like at work too. He works at this very white publishing company. He seems like to be maybe if not, uh, he's definitely not the only black employee, but he's probably the only black senior employee. And he is kind of bombarded by uh, like just white (laughs) microaggressions daily. And he starts to kind of recognize after being inspired by Mia that like, oh wait, I think I've been like, signing up for this in a way. And then in addition to that, I think really becoming unsettled by how he's viewed in that type of apparatus, Mm -hmm. you know? Like he starts to recognize like, oh, because I've maybe centered like the core of my life around whiteness, people don't necessarily see me uh, as a part of the fam, you know? Like he he seems to almost question if he could be in the cookout. And, (laughs) you know, Mia kind of sending him on that journey was really, I thought, I agree, it was really awesome. I could see it as her protecting herself. But it also, to me, 
one, just reflected how black people actually talk. Yes. And two, the other reason I thought it was kind of awesome is just like, it immediately put Mia in this place as, I think, his equal. I think, like, I hate to say it kind of like that, but like in a show like this, for example, in Insecure, to come back, and we'll probably use that comparison a lot because, it, you know, it's a show it's that a really kind of foregrounds yeah. the like romance. Like, you know Issa a lot better. And Lawrence doesn't necessarily feel like mm-hmm. her equal, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. He's trying to get there. Like, he has some things he needs to do to kind of like level up. He, like, he needs to work on his job, you know, a, a lot, lot of stuff, stuff. just kind of get mm-hmm. himself together. Mia's like, I. she clearly has her own job. She got her own money. She dresses impeccably. She does. And how she communicates with him is like, look, we don't have to do the thing. You know, like, I, I know mm-hmm. what this is. I know who you are. It was so nice to kind of see how unsettling that was. I could also see how Marcus was so intrigued by that. Like, that's the part of, like, to me, dating that you're actually looking for. That, that thing, like, one, this person sees me, mm-hmm. sees all my shit is somewhat intrigued, willing to call me on it in a loving, joking manner. I just thought that was like, it felt so indicative of how black folks actually kind of have those conversations, especially on like a first date. It's never going to be too direct. No. You know, she's not going to be like, are you, do you self-hate and maybe project that self-hate or anti-blackness onto black women? You know, is that going to be in our future? She's not going to do that. She's going to be like, do you date black women? Or to be frank, the one that you taught me, do you like do you Beyonce? Like Beyonce? That's the, do you it's like the equivalent Beyonce? question. This that is the equivalent is the question. Same question. I used to look. I think in an old episode of this show, I mentioned that I usually will ask about Beyonce yeah. and Nicki Minaj on first dates. When you watch the entire thing, it's not about interracial dating is wrong. It's not about that it's at all. And that. I think if yeah. you take that away from it, then I don't know, read some books or something like that. <laughs> because the racial tension between Marcus and his wife does eventually like lead to their divorce. You also see how, like, the show doesn't make it about how their race broke them up. It makes it about sort of how Marcus's racial anxieties, but even deeper than that, Marcus's unwillingness to open up to other people. Like, the show is a Trojan horse for talking about interracial dating. But the interracial dating conversation within the show is a Trojan horse for actually talking about what it means to be seen and how a relationship Mm -hmm. will force you or should force you to confront yourself. There are plenty of people who are in in interracial relationships who bring their full selves to the table, bring their full selves home, are raising kids together, fully cognizant of Mm -hmm. what the world is going to think about them and how to navigate through society. There are plenty of people out there doing that. But what the show is getting at is those folks who aren't, those folks who are the people in the New York Times article who are using dating as a tool to sort of hide from having to be open about their racial anxieties. Um, It's cool too, because like, it's not like they also place Marcus in a solely white world. A lot of the rest of his private world is populated primarily by people of color, mostly other black people. They don't make a necessarily stereotypical example of Marcus as like, quote unquote, self-hating guy who's only dating non-black women to sort of avoid, you know, dealing with his own like racial issues. It's handled really delicately and it places interracial dating in the real world where most of us are discussing it or doing it or living with it. Yeah. I felt like that honesty to, which I feel like is kind of like what you're saying, Mm -hmm. like that honesty extends to kind of to everything about how they approach the show. Mm -hmm. You know, like this one of those shows, like I felt like the most like mature 
you know, like vision of of like black love. I yes. hate to say like hashtag black love because sometimes that means like a different thing, especially on, on the internet. But like, it's the most mature vision of that I think I've seen in like fiction. And I think that comes from the fact that this show is really truly about how growth can lead you to love. I feel mm. like in most shows, yeah, we get these kind of meat cutes that like happen and they're all kind of weird and people just kind of like end up together they're almost always just like solely orbit each other and like this show isn't that like you get to see marcus really try and fail Mm -hmm. you also get to see mia like try and fail in her relationships because like when they first meet mia is also in a relationship she with someone she is with (laughs) and the thing about it is like that focus on growth to me felt really important and like pretty revelatory because I feel like it's a feature focusing on the growth and like healing yourself or, you know, just like kind of pushing away from like the toxicity that like comes just frankly inherent with Mm -hmm. masculinity. But like, I know a lot of men and, you know, especially black men who are honestly trying to do that work. And I don't feel like we always get to see that on TV. I know that sounds like maybe crazy. I know there are probably a lot of black women who wish more black men were doing that work. (laughs) But like, I do think opportunities of watching actual mature progressions from like, you know, being single to being partnered to, you know, like if you choose to get married and having to like grow through your experiences, make mistakes and get called out, Mm -hmm. feel bad, like get shamed, (laughs) like to learn a lesson from it. I thought that was like, to actually see him learning the lessons slowly. It is. It is. Slowly. The show spans years. Marcus. Slowly. One one step at a time. He takes his time. The growth that we saw from Marcus is really, to me, like, it's crystallized in late episode where, like, he and his guy friends go out. Mm. And we have to talk just very briefly about like his boy, Yogi. Yogi. One, We all love and know Yogi. We all have a Yogi in our life. Shout out, you know, to to the Yogi in my life. But he goes away camping with his two best friends, Yogi and Ken. And it's like, he's trying to pull himself out of a low place. Mm. You know, he's been going through it. He's kind of went through a beat with Mia. It has like not worked out. He doesn't know why. It pretty much... He feels like he's at his lowest. And he goes on this trip and is kind of repeatedly called out. Before the trip, his friend Yogi's like, yo, I understand you're hurt, but you're also pretty self-centered. There's stuff going on out there, you know, like in the world. You need to get it together. So, you know, they go on this trip and he discovers a pretty deep, like, betrayal from a friend. And he gets called out basically on how he actually was in a previous relationship. And... You see him kind of recognize that even though he thinks ultimately, I think this breakup maybe happened on somewhat equal terms or like, you know, maybe even like unequal terms. Somehow he, you know, might even see himself as the victim in that situation. But he comes to realize that actually he had caused hurt. He had caused harm. And, you know, even though he is experiencing some hurt himself, he has to accept that I need to do better. Mm -hmm. Hurting someone else was an unacceptable outcome. I could have done something to acknowledge that. I could have taken more care of this person. Like he comes to grips with who he is right now and where he has been and how that has not been positive for him. And you see him have a whole ass breakdown 
And then we get to see a little bit of him putting it back together. I just don't know where you're truly seeing that, where you're seeing people actually dive into their mess. And then you see people like truly reckon with how they maybe fix it. Yeah. You know, it's not like overly explanatory, but I just thought that was so different, the presentation of that. And I think a part of this is because it's like an anthology and we have to see a complete story. So we get to know how a story ends. But like, I still, I, I want more of that in regular TV. A hundred percent agree. I mean, yeah, the season is 10 episodes. What they do in the 10 episodes, the amount of time that they cover and the amount of growth that they show, not even just in Marcus. Mia is a character who ends up growing a lot too. As the season progresses, you see her dealing with yeah. family relationships, dealing with like the fractures in her parents' relationships and how that is showing up and kind of hindering her ability to really accept and give love in yeah. her adult romantic partnerships. She was hiding too. Yeah, oh, she was absolutely hiding too. She, you know, it seemed like she does something that I know that I've done in the past, which is like pick people who are not available or sabotage relationships that are working in hindsight, attempt to sabotage relationships <laughs> that I wanted to believe were working because I was working with limited information because I was young and dumb, but sabotaging things that were at least an improvement upon the yeah. past because I felt like I didn't deserve it. And I think that's something that like a lot of people do and we see it explored typically through men, mm -hmm. black men in romantic comedies, but we don't really get to see a woman mm -hmm. have a redemption narrative. Yeah. You know, to see her betray somebody or to cut things off or to cut and run or be scared or be having a boyfriend like she is at the beginning of the yeah. season and entertaining this other guy that she meets at a wedding who's also Who is married. married. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, Mia was getting a little bit into the best. She was getting She's a little popping. bit. In, she was popping. Mia was popping. But we see how much she grows over the course of the season and how it's fine for her to not be perfect. I feel like so much of Black romantic comedy, television and movies especially, is centered around the performance of a relationship. It's funny. I think we talked about this a yeah. long time ago yeah. <laughs> on a very early episode of For Color Nerds, and now I know a lot more. Called um, Marriage so as a Performance. Marriage as a Performance, exactly. We talked about Marriage as a Performance. I mean, it was like early single digits episode or something like that. But usually black romantic comedies are about the performance of a relationship, like the markers, like the societal mm. markers of love yeah. or progression in a relationship as opposed to the actual act of loving and about how much work and growth that should take. I mean, I do kind of bristle when people say like relationships are work. Like you shouldn't be crying and sweating like you're <laughs> like you're at Planet Fitness. Not that kind of work. It, it more so means like working on yourself to become a kinder, more generous, more patient person in concert with somebody else who is also working yeah. on those things, yeah. who you generally also like and are compatible with. You got to have some kindle to start a fire. You can't just start from nothing. We rarely see the day in and day out acts of loving or growing into love. Yeah. Like we talked about how conversations about interracial relationships are very dated and immature. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of Black conversations about hetero relationships are dated and immature that yeah. we have now. Like, it's conversations that we're having now that were being had in Essence Magazine 30 years ago. I know because I was reading my mom's copies, okay? <laughs> it's so much about the fantasy of love, the conversations that people are having. People are projecting onto each other what they think a relationship is going to be like. And I like this show because it does get at that through the interracial dating piece, right? Like, yeah. Marcus thinks, okay, I have racial anxieties. I can hide through my marriage with this mm -hmm. white woman. Yeah, But also... Mia has anxieties about being 
in a serious relationship where she has to be seen and accepted and feel worthy of great love. And accountable. And accountable. Exactly. She is hiding from a similar fear, but just in a different way. And I like that the show kind of like made it so that like when there finally is some resolution at the end of the season and there is some somewhat of a happy ending, you know, it's not so much about like a wedding. You don't see a wedding as a symbol of the end or mm-hmm. the goal like you do in Jumping the Broom, yeah. The Best Man, oh, man. The Brothers, Keep going. The Wood. <laughs> okay. I could go on. You actually get into deeper questions like how healthy is this relationship? Does it feel good? Is it equitable? Are we both enjoying ourselves? You know, to see a Black couple get there on screen without the woman having to be, quote unquote, humbled, like a Mm. lot of online conversations about Black women and Black men in relationships, the woman's supposed to be humbled. Every season of Married at First Sight, you see somebody (laughs) getting fucking humbled. She was imperfect, but she didn't have to change who she was. Yeah. And she didn't have to lower her standards Mm -hmm. to get what she wanted out of a partner. And that felt mature to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the other component of that is like, and he has to find a way to match her, you know, Mm -hmm. like he has Mm -hmm. to find a way to accept her flaws, where Mm -hmm. she is, how she hurts him. And Mm -hmm. then push through that because ultimately their relationship is good. Or like ultimately this feels like good for you. I think it can't be discounted how like these are folks who are supposed to be a little bit older than who we are typically watching these stories with. So like this feels like a late 20s at the earliest to mostly a 30s like relationship and kind of exploration of love. And I think that was one of the best decisions in terms of for actually producing something that feels so different because by that point you've had enough life experience even if you haven't necessarily haven't had enough dating experience you mm-hmm. had enough life experience to kind of understand a lot more of how you know a relationship can zig and zag as you get to your 30s there's like a urgency mm. That comes not just in terms of necessarily finding someone, but also in in being who you need to be in a relationship. Yes. You know, like I, once I got to a certain age, I was like, okay, I have some idea of how I need to be showing up in a relationship to make that thing work. It's still hard and you still get confronted with all the other shit you need to do, but like (laughs) you're a bit more sure. And Mm -hmm. I think you get to see that in this show. It's interesting what you say about it being in the 30s and the way that you put that. Like, I met my fiance when I was 27, an age at which I felt like poor old made me. (laughs) Not that I needed to be married, but more so like I was like, I'm so grown. I'm so grown. (laughs) And in hindsight, I'm like, I really met my like actual husband at 27. What the fuck? I was just born four years before. (laughs) What the fuck? I was so young. But I haven't had the experience of being single like in my 30s, but like I have seen as I have matured into my 30s and really getting in there, especially in the past year or two, like how much more I've grown to understand what I need to do to make this work. And it's not like hard. Like it's, I feel like a lot of people think like you, you, you and your spouse are sitting down at a table together, like sweating and like rubbing your forehead. Not like that so much. It's just like just doing things to become a better 
person overall in ways that will really impact the person who I am the closest with in that way. And yeah, it's just like, and also too, just having more maturity to see my own flaws in a certain light. The show is about, like at its core, it's really about growth. And it's about like sanding down some of the jagged edges of who you are so that you can fit nicely with another person without harming each other. Believe it or not, we're not done talking about this show. Hell uh, fucking There's no. so much more to kind of get into that we haven't gotten to yet. But I think this is a really good spot to maybe take a quick break. So we'll be back with a little bit more on Love Life Season 2. Be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so welcome back. We are still talking about if you can believe it, Love Life Season 2, because it was that good. You know, the show was very well executed and got into a lot of really important discussions, but I'm not going to lie. The last two episodes, like, I was hit deep in an emotional place. Like, I cried. Yeah. Definitely shed some tears. The show ended up meaning a lot to me, and I wonder if you had the same experience. Oh, no, absolutely. It was intense. I think to, like, actually watch it, I, I didn't expect that. Like, I expected maybe to like the show just because I like you were talking about it a lot initially I and was then, yes okay credit and then also I saw a lot of folks on Twitter for what it's worth saying like hey check this out hey check this out so I expected to like it but I didn't expect it to really like love it in the way that I did and I think it was partially just because I don't know I felt like I was seeing like lord knows I, I me and Mark's different 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 times <laughs> different times but you know as someone who has made mistakes in relationships, you know, to be frank, had a marriage that didn't work out and to, you know, find kind of love like after that, Mm -hmm. I felt like very seen just the kind of like the, how hard that process has been, if that makes any sense, trying to like grow to be a better version of yourself Mm -hmm. and then trying to grow to be a better version of yourself for someone else and seeing it actually come together in a way that like didn't leave me frustrated with the choices of production and writing at the end was amazing. I like, I just felt like, oh, this was, this was how it should have ended. It actually could have ended a couple of different ways. And I would have been fine with all of them because everything was so well done. It's so, there's so much character development. There's so much honesty and maturity. We get to see Marcus go on a journey. We get to see Mia go on a journey. We get to see, you know, like everybody has an arc. We even get arcs from like their best friends, his sister, who is amazing. Punky Johnson playing Marcus's sister is so charismatic and so warm on screen. They did try to make me feel like she was from Michigan, like she was from Ann Arbor. (laughs) She has a strong New Orleans accent, but it's cute on her. And so I will allow it. But she shone on screen. I felt like I was watching something that was actually legitimately like reflective of real life. And real yeah. black life. So like, yeah. or at least, you know, the vision of that that I am kind of lucky enough to get a chance to see. It really, really, really touched me. There's there's a just a quick scene at the end. 
I'm sorry, I'm going to have to spoil it. But, but like they, you see Marcus and Mia, you know, they've kind of come through a lot of the things that they've worked on in their relationship. They found their way to each other and they have a small tiff. They basically, they go to a party and they have a small fight. And I actually, they don't even have a fight. They go to a party and you can see that they're both not having, like, they, like, like they're not in the best place in that moment, if that makes any sense. And like mm. the, the thing that comes just before a fight could happen. And then you see Marcus and Mia have a conversation where they acknowledge like what those feelings are. And they're like, mm-hmm. all right, thanks. Let's move on. Let's go have some fun. Whoa. Like the subtlety of just seeing people acknowledge each other's hurt, say, I'm sorry. Let's try to do this again next time. But I love you. Let's keep it going. That is, I, yeah. you, you, it's a shame that you don't see more of that on TV. Look, usually like fights and conflicts are played for drama, obviously on TV. But like, you can't be living like that in real life. No, not as a black person getting closer to the age where we spring for hypertension. You can't do that. You can't be having like these. You know, I mean, we all remember what it was like to be twenty five or whatever, twenty eight. Maybe not twenty eight in my case, but definitely twenty. Two, three, four, five, six, and seven, where you have some sort of conflict with somebody, and then it's like it could be your actual yeah. partner, and there yeah. goes the weekend, there goes your night. You know what I'm saying? Or it becomes this immovable, you know what I mean? Like circumstance, like an obstacle that just keeps you from being able to enjoy each other. And I loved that moment because it wasn't just like showing their maturity and being able to like get through conflict and accept each other's like feelings quickly. But also like, I think with maturity and age, truly with age beyond maturity comes the realization that like, it's not worth the time. You know what I mean? Even if all things Mm -hmm. go great, there's going to come some point where, you know what I mean? You might not, one of you is going to be going on beyond the other person. And you know that you only have so much time and it's not worth your time. And it's not worth your energy when you could be enjoying this person to be pissed off. You know what I mean? And I love that. Like you can see the recognition of how precious their relationship is in that moment and how they've sort of outgrown the blow up. To that, to that end, it, it reminds me of this scene. So, you know, if it's not clear already, Marcus and Mia find their way to each other and, you know, they develop a relationship and they're trying to kind of work it out. You know, as, as a part of that, Mia like pretty deeply hurts Marcus. Um, mm. And he doesn't deal with that very well. He is like, he really struggles after that moment. Um, And Mia kind of like disappears, but she comes back and normally, you know, I feel like in shows she would come back and, you know, something, something crazy would happen and, you know, they would end up together. And that's not what happens. And that was one of the best decisions the show has made because what happens is Marcus and Mia sit down for a conversation where she explains why she did what she did. She apologizes for that. She communicates that in this time since she has been working on herself, that she has been in therapy, and that Mm -hmm. this apology is a part of that work that she's doing on herself. She does not then ask him to get back with her. She is just, the apology is the point. And Mm -hmm. Marcus, in this moment, in normal TV, it would probably be like, well, I can't forgive you. I can't move on. We need yeah. to walk away. He would slap her if it was a Tyler Perry movie. <laughs> or run off with his coworker, one of the two. Yeah, or just destroy her life in general. <laughs> uh, you know, that is strangely not what happens. He says like, we work. 
I care about you. You hurt me. That wasn't great. But I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. That fucked me all the way up. <laughs> like, sometimes you just, like, you recognize that the shit works. And people sometimes try to blow up their life. Sometimes you have to forgive them for that because of the space that they were in. You know, everybody can't do it. Mm-hmm. Everybody can't do that. And, you know, not saying that you yeah. have to, but that was beautiful. Thug tears. He has empathy for where she is, not because of something that's happened in that situation, because he has blown up his life. You know, he has deeply hurt and betrayed people uh, before. Yeah. And he does not hold her accountable for that because he understands and has compassion. Wow. And this happened from a black man to a black woman in a exactly. prestige television show. Look. Send tweet. <laughs> I thought that was really important. Like, it really challenged not just like the Kevin Samuels of the world, but like the own network black love series yeah. of the world. <laughs> where you're seeing these black women, this women out here, my sisters are down bad. They are <laughs> catching bodies. They're catching bodies for bald-headed, pot-bellied men. <laughs> Who with six easy mistresses? On the ball. Come on, easy on the ball. Look, now you know murderers. All, you know, sure. I Abusers, joke, sure. I joke about easy on the ball. I joke about ball-headed men, but everybody knows <laughs> I've been seen out and about with a couple in my lifetime. Okay, this is just me talking shit, but more so, what I mean is that like black people dating wise, how do I put it, man? Sometimes we just. Sometimes we just struggle to get along. And I like that, like, the show got into maybe some of the reasons why. Yeah. But instead of turning them into just plot points that could be Twitter fodder or that could, you know, stoke the sort of, like, manosphere or whatever, or the $200 dates people and wake them up or whatever, they kind of actually use them as, like, real moments in the story yeah. that, like, cause the characters to move forward. And it felt a lot more familiar, like the growth that they were experiencing and that ultimately led to Marcus being able to become the kind of person that somebody would want to be with was appropriate for people of their age. And I didn't realize how gratifying it would be to see people of my general age range actually getting into, you know, the real shit. (laughs) to deal with folks who are still making mistakes but not necessarily deal with folks who are stunted it was really refreshing the show isn't perfect it's really really fucking good but if i had to pick out like just a two just two things one marcus as you mentioned before he has people of color in his circle he has black folks you know in his Mm -hmm. community for sure he's really close to his friend yogi who is black he's really close to his, his sister who's obviously also black Keon is not white, you know, Keon otherwise known as Stewie. Stewie. Uh, But the thing that I want TV to understand is like, black folks usually also, like, we don't just have a couple, you know? Like, we don't just have a couple. Yeah, right. Like, like, that circle is thick. Black people find each other. And for how normal of black people Mia and Marcus were, I just would have expected a few more black folks in the orbit. 
I don't know. Did you, I don't know if you saw that, but I I think they could have maybe built things out just a little bit more. But overall, I was really happy with that. There was one thing, and you brought this up. A lot of what we've discussed today about sort of Marcus's racial anxieties is our inferences yeah. from watching the show. The show does not actually really, even though it starts off sort of opening this can of worms about like Marcus's racial anxieties and how that causes him to show up in his marriage to his white ex-wife, Emily, they never really bring that back around. They bring the emotional undercarriage back around, but they don't really bring back like that in a bald-faced sort of way. I think they kind of do explore it through other characters. Marcus has a significant relationship with a different white woman that is a (laughs) fucking doozy. I think he is forced to confront some things then. Like, how do I put it? The interactions that he has with the second relationship with a white woman illuminate how Emily is actually probably a fine person, yeah. but Marcus wasn't wasn't comfortable being himself with her. Yeah. And so he was the person bringing too much to their relationship. Whereas the second white woman he meets, child, she's garden variety <laughs> of a certain type of... I love that there's a sentence that comes up for our, our listeners who are Black should explain a lot. She says at one point, don't you just love mixed babies or something like that? Like there's like a... There's like, it's like, okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, okay, she's got a ways to go. They don't really bring that background. And so that kind of feels like a missed opportunity. But again, I mean, they do kind of explore a lot. Like overall, it's pretty much a near perfect season of television. It felt like the closest I've seen to like a black when Harry met Sally. Mm. Like it felt like the, you know, just this kind of like romantic epic that like where people, you know, are friends and kind of evolve into love. But I feel like I, you know, I'm I'm living my own, you know, episode of Black Love. Brittany, what we need to do is we need to go on the show and change, we can change the narrative (laughs) of what the own Black Love series is experiencing. If we just, just... That's what we need oh to do. You know, God. we need to just go over there and say, look, look, I I didn't destroy my partner's life and then she choose to love me after. That or is true. I I didn't, you know, just act a whole ass for, you know, like years or decades and she loves me anyway. We can change it. We could do you this. You know what? We could Let do me this. think about that. <laughs> That's a big step for a person who has never said their fiance's name on any episode of anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for me, watch Love Life yes. Season 2. Forest Worth Season 1 is really good, too. I say that. But Love Life Season 2 is something different. It is. We would love to know what you think. And also, HBO Max, why I didn't know that this show was coming out until Promote like, basically... Promote your shit, fam. I, please, I open up the app, and I see William Jackson Harper, you know what I'm saying, God Among Men, Black Adonis, <laughs> Okay, Chidi himself staring at me. And me and my fiance, as soon as we just saw his face, we were like, oh, let's watch this right now. And it, it was yeah. just like, that was just on the homepage. But I, we, look, we in media, we didn't get no emails. We didn't get no screeners, uh, okay? Uh, Until late in the game. Like, yeah. promote it. Like, we, like, if you have any other shows like this or Southside, let us know before they come out so that we can be ready. And also, too, like, one last thing, if anybody from HBO Max is listening, the biggest reason why I do wish that they had been a little bit more intentional with promoting the series is because after I watched it, I was so touched. I wanted to read more writing about it. Mm. And there were some good pieces, but they were like not written by other black people. As far as I could tell, I didn't see very many. I wanted to see Love Life season two get like the insecure treatment where like every black person 
is getting yeah. screeners and writing a think piece. And like, I don't know, I thought that the show was really beautiful and that it deserved it. So that's my feedback, HBO Max. But to everybody else, <laughs> dream love life on season two. Also subscribe to For Colored Nerds wherever you listen to podcasts because we're going to be back next Tuesday. We're going to talk, talk about something else. So get ready. For Colored Nerds was created by me, Brittany Luce, and Eric Eddings. It's supported by a production team at Stitcher, including producers Alexis Williams, Willis Arnold, and executive producer Camille Stanley. Casey Holford is our technical director, and Peter Clowney is head of content. Our theme music is by Willie Green. We love hearing from listeners, so please connect with us and tell us what you thought of this episode. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at For Colored Nerds and never miss an episode by following us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Life doesn't have a pause button. That's why Capella University's FlexPath Learning Format Let's you set your own deadlines and adjust them if something comes up. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference for you at capella.edu.